podcast land. You have set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Ronnie, your first best and only all-encompassing Combat Sports podcast. We talk about boxing. We talk about kickboxing. We talk about Muay Thai. We are very heavy on MMA. And today's show, baby, we got a great guest. Tonight, we've got Lewis Handguns Taylor, PFL middleweight tournament champion. Wonderful guy. Great interview. I can't wait for you guys to check it out. So, the intro for today is over. We got to get into our schedule. We got our Bellator 249, just the main uh, event recap with Cyborg's fight. Then we'll dive right into our UFC Fight Island 6 full breakdown. We got Dre's hot drop of the night. We got our picks for UFC 254's main card. Q&A with the Rhino Gang. And then the aforementioned Lewis Handguns Taylor or Put the Guns Down. We actually talk about that, the difference in the... Uh, Nickname during his interview uh, goes 10 rounds of Rhino at the end here. It is so awesome. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. So real quickly, Bellator 249 uh, was on Thursday night. And once again, Chris Cyborg, shoulder dominance going against uh, uh, Ariane Blenko, Blencow. Uh, she got a rear naked choke in the second round. Another quick work for the defending the 145 pound belt for Chris Cyborg. Does she need some more competition? Yes. Are we going to see any sort of cross promotion anytime soon? No. <laughs> Unfortunately, the uh, the co-main was called off just hours before the fight. Patricky Pitbull versus Jaleel Willis was pulled because um, Patricky came down with some sort of illness. It wasn't. I don't think it was COVID related. At least there was no reports of such. But he came down with some sort of illness. So the doctors wouldn't load and clear him, and uh, the, that fight was pulled, which sucks because I was looking forward to seeing that. So, all right, that's our Bellator 249 real quick recap of the of the of just the main event because the Coleman got pulled. So uh, moving into Fight Island 6, into our prelims, we had Saeed Nurmagomedov versus against Mark Striegel. Wow, this one was quick, man. <laughs> Striegel came in with a hot, you know, streak coming in, and it, Saeed didn't give a shit. He gave him with that beautiful counter left hook, dropped him, finished with the GMP at just 51 seconds in the first round. Beautiful performance for Saeed. Look forward to seeing him come back next. That was at 135. Then in the 205-pound division, we had Godsimiriad Antigulov versus Maxim Grishin. I don't think I did too bad on that pronunciation, to be honest with you. It's a, it's a low bar, though, I'll tell you that much. Uh, not much accident in the first. Antigulov. Um, outstruck Maxim 18-8 early. Uh, there was a trip takedown. Antigulov started to kind of uh, try to incorporate more grappling and more kind of against the cage work uh, towards. Uh, there was a lot of time on that. And then uh, Grishin spent a lot of time on top. Then at the end of round two, he hit him with a shot, kind of put him back towards the cage. Um, it was really weird. Antigulov just kind of shelled up. And was just taking shots against the cage. Wasn't doing anything to move. None of them were landing super solid or super damaging. But the ref really had no choice because he wasn't moving. And then when it stopped, it looked like it looked like Eddie Gulov thought the fight was going to continue into the third. But no, dude, he got stopped. So a nice win for Grishin. Uh, they've trained before. It was no, it was no surprise what he saw in there from what he said. He th- he was very confident. So good win for him. Moving into lightweight, we had uh, Ferez Zayam versus Jamie Malarkey. This one was very grapple-heavy, a lot of uh, scrambles on the ground. Uh, Zayam did a good job on the feet. Malarkey did better on the ground. I thought Malarkey should have gotten the nod. To be honest with you, it was a close fight. Um, I had a one-to-one going into the third, but then in the third, somehow they gave it to Zayam, maybe for that maybe for that little flurry of GNP at the, at the end of the third round. That's the only thing I could think of. I gave it to Malarkey. They gave it to uh, Fariz, so... I don't know, man. That was that wasn't a very good call on my end, but not close enough to be because I mean, not far enough apart where 
you know, I'm going to cry about it or anything. So moving into uh, the 185 pound division, we had June Young Park versus John Phillips. Holy shit. I've said this before, folks, about one-way traffic. This was the new definition of one-way traffic. Park just constantly was able to take Phillips down with no resistance. Stay on him. Just land little pitter-patter, ground-and-pound shots. I'm not shitting you. The actual stat line is this. 285 to 5. That's not a misprint. That's not a fucking problem. That's the real number. 285 strikes to 5 for Junyong Park over John Phillips. Wow. Unbelievable. Great job. John Phillips needs to switch to some sort of uh, all stand-up sport, I, honestly, because every time he gets taken down, there's just no there's no getting back up, unfortunately. So good on Park, man. Great performance by him. I think he set a record for the most ground strikes ever landed. So that's always cool to see. Uh, moving into the 125-pound female division, we had Jillian Robertson versus Poliana Botelio. Um, immediate shot from Jillian Robertson. You could tell she did not want any part of Pollyanna on the feet. Pollyanna, when she did, she did shuck it off the first one. She was able to land a couple of really nice leg kicks early, but then pretty much from that point forward, um, Jillian was just hunting for takedowns. She got them. She did great ground and pound on top. Uh, again, Jillian Robertson has looked really, really good as of late. She got her black belt. Um, she again, there's no there's no question. So Jillian gets the win, but there's no question what she wants to do. She's trying to get you down, she's trying to get on top of you and work her subs or her ground and pound. So great job. Another win for Jillian. Uh moving into the lightweight division. We had uh Matizi Gamrot versus Guram Kutalitsi. And this one was a very close fight. Uh lots of scrambling, lots of really good stuff. Uh, on the mat, uh, Guram got the split decision. He was actually very, I'm going to say honest or forthcoming and say that he thought that Gamrot should have gotten the nod. I thought it was close enough where it could have gone to either guy, to be honest with you. Impressive performance. I really liked his humble nature. That was very cool. Uh, yeah, so we'll see what's next for both both Kutalitsi and Gamrot. They put on a good performance last night. So we'll go ahead and move our way into the main card. We had Thomas Almeida, who we haven't seen in a long time. Long layoff for him. Versus Jonathan Martinez. Man, Jonathan Martinez, dude, I am not going to sleep on this kid anymore. He got the very clear, oh, to me, it was very clear unanimous decision. I know the, the comments like DC and uh, Dan, they were talking about, well, it's a really close. We're not exactly sure. I'm like, to me, Jonathan Martinez won every single round 10 to 9. He had the street, the stronger strikes, the cleaner strikes. Almeida seemed lost at times. Jonathan Martinez, man, he is something to be reckoned with. Uh, at 145, dude. I was really impressed. So good win for him. Then we had the James Krause versus Claudio Silva. James Krause, longtime vet, excellent fighter, good coach, too. Um, and we we see oftentimes that guys who corner other guys who are coaches, they're very cerebral, obviously. They have a great feel for the game. They know what's going on in there. I thought even though he was on short notice again, James Krause did a great job. Claudio Silva is kind of one of these guys who just – comes in swinging real wide and real heavy and real hard with everything. And those are guys who are dangerous. You can get caught. James Krause did a great job of head movement. He did a great job of countering that straight right hand was there for him all night. It was, I, I enjoyed that fight. That was a, that was an impressive fight for me uh, to watch James Krause do. And he got the unanimous decision over Claudio Silva moving our way into the two Oh five pound division. We had Modestus Bukowskis versus give me the crew. Give me the crew. <laughs> Jimmy Crew, man, just two minutes in the first round, dude. Jimmy Crew got the beautiful. First of all, he dropped him uh, with the counter right. Then he finished it up with more strikes. 
beautiful drop and KO finish for Jimmy Crute. Uh, fantastic. We got a great question about him later on in the Rhino Gang section. Uh, he called out Krylov, which I think would be an interesting fight. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, that'd be very cool. Moving into the co-main event, we had Caitlin Chukagian versus Jessica Andrade. Now, I actually am one of the people who picked Chukagian to win. And upon watching that fight from really early on, I kind of regretted it. <laughs> I could see how Andrade looked comfortable. She looked strong at 125, moving back up. Uh, she's what, a 35-15, and now she's at 25. Uh, basically, she got the early takedown. She got a big slam on Chukagian. Chukagian was not able to use the humongous reach. I think it was six or eight inches maybe even. Um, and then in the uh, and then a beautiful body shot when they were clinched up. Put, literally put Chukagian on her bike, and she spun around and ran back into the other side of the cage and drives like, Sprinted across the cage, did some sort of jumping knee collision strike of some sort, and then uh, which didn't do anything. And then they got kind of close, close quarters again. And Draj used that beautiful left hook again to the body, put Chukagian down. Chukagian just shelled up. The referee had no choice but to stop it. Great TKO win in the first round for Jessica Andrade. She wants to fight for the title next. Oh boy, I think anybody running into um. Running into Valentina is such a daunting task, but man, Jessica Andrade, you got to respect her. She, she, she did a great job last night. I look forward to seeing whatever's next for her, whether it's a title shot or one more. So uh, good on her. All righty, let's move into our uh, main event from last night. Let's derail. Let's go ahead and give Dre a call, and we will joint break down the main event, sir. All righty, fight fans. Now joining us is our feature player, Drea. We're going to break down our main event from last night. Brian, T-City Ortega versus Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. So, Drea, this one did not go, I don't think, how most of us thought it was going to. What was your take? It definitely didn't. I mean, ultimately, I thought the zombie was going to take it. I was rooting for T-City. I actually wanted him to win. So I was actually happy. It was. It would have been a win-win for me either way if you know, zombie would have won, then I got my pick right, but <laughs> it didn't go that way. Um, but yeah, ultimately um, it was, I hate to say a one-sided show, but I mean, it was, he won, uh, Brian won all five rounds, um, definitely came in unexpectedly sharp. Like I just wasn't expecting to to see what I saw. So I was, I was happy about it. The Brian Ortega we saw last night has leveled up in many different so areas many ways, of his yeah. fucking weaponry. Um, his stand-up looked extra crisp. That jab was tight. That teeth was strong. And the other thing is, too, is he looked – I mean, I'm not talking about the bald head, but he's got enough traction on mm -hmm. social media for, for my days. <laughs> but um, he looked bigger. He looked stronger. He looked like he had put on a little bit of muscle. Um, he definitely is striking the five times more crisp than last time we saw him. He didn't even really try to – do much on the ground the few times they were down there it was pretty much just standing exchange which is usually mm -hmm. korean zombies game but brian ortega man he he would mix it up enough where he kept zombie looking uncomfortable zombie got his you know he had his moments he got some nice shots off and did some mm -hmm. things but this was t-city from bell to fucking bell he, he absolutely i thought korean zombie was going to win as well i thought he was going to drag him into deep water t-city was going to maybe tire and then korean zombie was going to catch him with something not even close no, 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 oh, yeah great performance by brian ortega i still think korean zombie is a really good fighter and i think he'll be back and i think he'll stay in that top tier but ortega man he if, if he's able to fight like that we're going to see a real 
championship contender here very, very soon. Definitely. All righty. So, Drea's world-famous drop of the night is on tap. Drea, for your drop of the night last night, there wasn't a ton to choose from. No. The ones we had were very good. What did you land your needle on to pinpoint last night's Drea's drop of the night? So, my drop of the night comes from Jimmy Crute versus Modestas uh, Bukowskis. Round one, just two minutes in, Jimmy throws this bomb of a right hand, uh, drops Modestus, and he attempts to get back up while, you know, scrambling to his feet. Uh, Jimmy throws another right and then a left hook that drops uh, Bukowskis again um, to the fence, which basically he was he was done ref stops it um and he got that ko it was it was beautiful but i also i have to give an honorable mention um to brian ortega because that spinning back elbow that he threw that dropped zombie was fucking beautiful and i love spinning shit so uh, i had to i had to throw i had to throw that in there um i thought Ultimately, I mean, I thought he could have he could have finished him with that, but freaking zombie just got up and kept coming. But yeah, for sure, that was a, a beautiful drop as well. But my official drop of the night goes to Jimmy Crew. Very, very cool. Very well deserved for give me the crew. Give me the crew. <laughs> I almost said it that way, but then I thought, no, he'll do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much, dude. Big shout out for Jimmy Crew uh, getting Dre's drop of the night last night. So. We have got a mega humongous gigantoid, all these other words put together. Fight card next weekend, UFC 254 from Fight Island. Habib versus Justin for 155 supremacy. Holy shit. Let's go ahead and get our main card picks, which right now, the way Fatbology has it listed, is only four fights, right? I'm sure that will be maybe one or two more will kind of be pushed or moved or whatever. But right now, there's only officially four fights. Uh, that are listed on the main card by Tapology, which is what I go by. You know what I mean? I don't like going by any other site or source. So I'm sticking with the Tapology boys, and we're going to go ahead, and I will start with us first. And the much redone, rescheduled Agumet <laughs> Ankalaya versus Kutali, or Ian Kutalaba. Once again, I believe I've said this at least four times already. I, got, I, I think got, you switched it up on one of them. I think I've never switched up on one. one. No, no, no. I've never switched it up on one. I think I've switched oh, it up on the way. One. Yeah, exactly. One. Um, right. Again, <laughs> I've got Bagamet beating Ion. This time, I think the Fury is going to be even stronger because of all the beating. <laughs> Second round, TKO, Magomed Ankalaya versus Ion Kutalaba. What say you, feature player, Drea? I'm still sticking with Ayan Kutalaba, and I am taking the KO round two. All righty. That's speech play of Trey's picks. Then we're going to go with Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris. My heart is completely with Walt Harris for obvious reasons. Anybody who knows the story. However, I've got to go with my brain on this one. I've got Volkov by third round TKO over Walt Harris. I think his striking is going to be a little bit too much for big Walt's. But I'll, I'll be super stoked. You know, here my here's my amendments. I will be super happy <laughs> if I'm wrong and Walt Harris gets a big, you know, KO. But I got Volkov winning this one by third round TK over Walt Harris. The big ticket. What about you? That's exactly what I chose, and you couldn't have said it better. My heart is with Walt. I will not be upset if he wins at all. I'd actually be happy if he does. But going with the brain on this one and taking Alexander Volkov uh, TKO round three. Now, one of the other very difficult back and forth of strategize 
all over the place. You know that you know that gif where Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is talking about he's got like things written all over and he's got his short sleeved uh, collared shirt on and he's smoking and it's like one of those graphs and charts where yeah. there's things just everything's connected. It was kind of one of those deals going over Cannoneer versus Robert Whitaker. Yeah. Robert Whitaker is phenomenal, former champion. He's a fantastic, fantastic fighter. There is something that's calling to me, Dre. There's something that's whispering in my ear. Cannoneer, mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to listen to it. I've got Jared Cannoneer. Unanimous decision in a very close back and forth slugfest with Robert Whitaker. Jared Kennedy against the UD. What's your pick on this one, Drea? Oh, goodness. Okay, so I am taking Robert Whitaker. Excuse me, I can't speak this morning. Uh, Robert Whitaker with the unanimous decision. And I, I kind of agree with you. I have a feeling Cannonier is going to do it. But the simple fact that, um, Izzy wants to fight him if he wins this. I kind of just don't want him to win because <laughs> I don't want him to fight Izzy. So I don't know. I'm I'm going um, Robert Whitaker unanimous decision. All right. So we are opposite seas on that one. Mm-hmm. Now the big one that we've all been waiting for. Habib Nurmagomedov, the Eagle versus Justin Gaethje. What a matchup. You've got the best Pound and pound, probably takedown guy, the master of the Dagestani handcuff, Mr. Top Control, Habib, versus the violent that is personified by Justin Gaethje. Justin wants to keep it on the feet, throw some bombs. Habib wants to take him down, do what he does. This is quite the class of styles. I can't wait to see it. Man, this was a tough pick, but because I love Justin Gaethje, but I got to go brain. I'm going Habib. By third round stoppage via ground and pound. So TKO three for Habib, third round due to ground and pound. What's your call on this one for the 155 pound strap? Teach play a draft. Okay, so I don't know that we've discussed the rules on this, but can I just decline to answer? No, you may not decline to answer, Drea. <laughs> I don't want to pick. There I really don't no want to pick between the two. There's no uh, part of our job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, my heart is with Justin Gaethje. I would really love him to um, to win this, but I'm going to go Khabib. Uh, round four submission. Oh, you're calling us up. You want to? You I'm going to call us bold up. and call the actual. I don't want to call. No, okay. I don't. Okay. okay, I don't. I don't feel it's going to be that predictable. <laughs> um, but. I, I'm thinking the later round, uh, Justin may get a little tired, and Khabib's strength and and control, I think, is just gonna is gonna do it. So round four, I'm just all righty. So we got our we got our sub for feature play Adrea and the main event of UFC 254. Now let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions, Drea. I know our first one comes from my big homie up in Canada, the Razor Sweet Potato. And what does he have for us this week? Okay, hold on a second. This is a long one. Okay. Um, SEG era, Zephyr era, Machida era, McGregor era, and now COVID era, with so many fights being canceled last minute due to COVID, is now the time for UFC to eliminate weight cutting. 
if all fighters were competing at their walking weight, replacement fights would be a lot simpler to make and the fighters themselves wouldn't be compromising their immune systems as much. We would also avoid fighters missing weight as often and they won't be losing money to fines. I think if the UFC is ever going to do this voluntarily, now is the time. What do you think, Rhino? Is it time to eliminate weight cutting yet? That's a great question, dude. In a perfect world, of course it would be, right? Of course that um, that part of the sport could be taken away and everybody would be on a clean, even level playing field as far as weight classes go. I just don't see that ever being something that is absolute, right? I just I just don't see it. It's It's been this way that it's been for forever. And yeah, there's been some amendments and some changes. Um, here's what I would do with like, a, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I think this is possible what I'm about to say. So, you know, that's where I'm kind of leaning on this. So, I've been saying forever that a small weight cut is okay. I, I can accept that. I can deal with that. Um, it's fine with me. I think something like maybe seven or eight pounds maximum, dude. Uh, that would be the absolute maximum. Not these 15, 20, 25 plus pound weight cuts that not only are detrimental to your health, but that people literally have died from. I think there's been probably more, and again, don't quote me on this. I don't know this to be a fact, but I'm just saying, I think there's probably been more catastrophic injury slash deaths from weight cutting than there actually has been inside the case from competition. I, I think so. I don't know for sure. So again, don't, don't quote me on that or make that be like, you know, like a, uh, for sure. So, but again, I hate the big weight cuts. People get so distraught, dehydrated, D de other things, right? They get no energy for the next day. It's horrible on people's bodies. I hate weight cuts. Small weight cuts would be okay. I think there should be some limit, maybe seven or eight pounds where you have to cut before, like 72 hours before. You can't cut anymore before a fight. And then there's like another, you know, the official weigh-in. I would like something like that. Again, I hate weight. I hate people's weight cuts. I hate it. I just don't see it being a feasible or uh, probability that it's ever going to be done away with completely. I just hope there's some sort of something that happens to it where there is a cap and it's a small cap, right? Six, seven, eight pounds, something like that. I would like to see implemented. And I think that's a small possibility. We could get that. Things are moving in the right direction with some commissions. So we'll see. Great fucking question, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Raising sweet potato. Awesome, dude. So I know our next one comes from the, the, the king, the king himself, of Twitter food porn and other things. My dude and yours, Serious King. What does he have for us this week? Drea. Cyrus asks, Brian Ortega versus Volk. How do you see that playing out? If Ortega beats Volk, <clears throat> how do you see the rematch between him and Max going down? If we see the Ortega from last night, I think Volk, uh, the Volk fight would be very competitive, dude. I think mm -hmm. um, that would be a back and forth battle. I lean towards Volkanovski by decision right now um, because, like I said, we saw a great performance from TCD last night. You need more than one to convince me that it's not a one-off, right? So if we were to see him do kind of the same thing against Volk as we did against the Korean Zombie, shit, that kind of <laughs> that kind of yeah. city, I think, beats Max Holloway. Max. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the idea of counting Max out just based on somebody else's fight. I, I don't like doing that. But I'm saying if we see this kind of improvement uh, out of Ortega against Volkanovski and knowing how close the fights with Volkanovski versus Max were, boy, oh, boy, I think it'd be a long night for Max on that one. And I'd have to lean towards T-City uh, on that for my pick. So, yeah, dude, that's my take on that one, Cyrus King. Thank you so much. 
You have to check out my man Cyrus at Combat Corner. Uh, he's such a wonderful human being. We all love him over here at CSWR. So thank you, Cyrus. All righty, my dude, Mr. B is next. What's Mr. B have for us this week, yeah. Drea? Okay, Mr. B has two questions. One is uh, MMA-related. Is Jimmy Crute ready to fight a ranked opponent in his next fight? And then, do you want me to ask two? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, that's cool. Okay, and then his second question is boxing-related. Do you think uh, Teofimo uh, Lopez, excuse me, Lopez can recreate the same magic to win a rematch against Lomachenko? All right. So, A, yes, dude. I definitely think Jimmy Crude is absolutely ready for an 11 to 15 ranked kind of a guy at 205. Uh, he's already beat Paul Craig, who's in that top 15. Um like I said, the 11 to 15 ranking area is where I would like to see him next. I'm thinking OSP. I think OSP might be a great matchup for Jimmy the Crew. We would get a lot of uh, we would get a lot of questions answered. It'd be a great test versus a very skilled veteran. I'm not saying he would win that fight. I'm just saying I would like to see that fight. So yeah, for me, dude, give him a top 15. Maybe somebody like uh, Owen St. Peru. I think it would be a great fight. I would love to see it. So yeah, definitely, dude. Um, I 100% think if they rematch, which there is no guarantee of that Teofimo Lopez could beat Loma again. The speed and the body work were two things last night that I was so impressed by. The fact that Lomachenko has looked so dominant for so long, and this 23-year-old kid comes in and is like, I'm not going to be pushed around. I'm going to push you back. I'm going to throw shots. I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to get hit with all of your crazy angles and speed. I was so impressed by Lopez. He didn't come in just looking for the big one-shot KO, which he, he has done before against lesser competition. He had a great game plan. I was stoked. I'm going to talk about that just a little bit more after we get done with the voice questions. But yeah, dude, I absolutely think, should they rematch that Tiafimo Lopez has a great chance of beating Lomachenko again? Do I think Lomachenko would make some adjustments? Sure. Would he step on the gas maybe a little bit more early and not give away so many rounds while throwing so few punches? Yeah, probably. But again, I will not count out Tiafimo Lopez beating Lomachenko in there uh, if they do have a rematch. So great question, Mr. B. I hope your Sunday is proving to be awesome for you, my friend. So I believe that is all of our Twitter questions. Am I right, Drea? It is. That wraps it up. That wraps up our uh, time with Feature Play Andrea this week. However, we at least got some good time with you. Last week, you were you were uh, being spread out too much. You had too many things <laughs> going on. You were trying to, you know, you were trying to do too many things. And so yes. this week we were work had me work had me limited to uh, to time. So <laughs> yes, but this week we had you for the whole time, which I definitely appreciate. Love having you on as always, Andrea. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you next week, folks. Show. All right. See you next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Rhino Gang. Let's go ahead and get into our voice questions. Our first one comes from my homie Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. What do you got for us this week, Juice? Rhino, this is Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. Over the years, we have seen many mythical creatures in MMA. Motivated BJ Penn, C-Level Kane, etc., etc. And now we have a new one. Bald Ortega. I want to know, A, do you think Brian Ortega has reached uh, a new level in his, not only his striking, but just his overall uh, ability to put his game together uh, in a way that would make a rematch with Max Holloway more interesting? And I want to know, what is your favorite mythical MMA creature? Get at me, brother. Yeah, dude, I talked about it a little bit with Drea. Ortega definitely leveled up for sure, and I'm very interested in seeing that rematch 
uh, with Max should he uh, be able to get through Volkanovski. Um, my favorite, <laughs> this is a great one. My favorite mythical MMA creature is probably when I heard for the first time they called it in ring Fedor. <laughs> Yeah, again, people know he's my favorite heavyweight ever. And he's the best heavyweight ever. And he really was better in the ring versus his cage performances. But obviously that has to do more with age and miles and everything else. But I love that mythical creature in ring Fedor. You know, I've also heard, you know, full camp Mendez and all uh, that would just, you mentioned sea level cave and whatnot. So funny, dude. But yeah, definitely in ring Fedor. It's my favorite mythical creature. So thank you very much, Juice. Absolutely check out Juice at the Fighting With Myself podcast. I know he has a new uh, podcast that he's going to be debuting soon about musical theater. Uh, it should be very cool. The guy is really, really a genius um, in that field. So looking forward to that one for sure. Thank you, Juicy Fruit, baby. All right. And our next one comes from my homie, Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. What do you got for us this week, Dave? Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Hope you're doing well, man. Got a question for you regarding last night's main event. Um, I got to be honest, I was pulling for Korean Zombie. I really like him as a fighter. It's not that I dislike Brian Ortega at all. Um, thought he's always a great fighter. But, man, last night, uh, he looked like a completely different fighter to me. I saw some people going on about how uh, he's a professional fighter. He should look good. But everybody has different areas, strengths. Uh, but his striking uh, was really polished and on point. Sharp, great defense last night. He totally controlled that. Uh, when is the last time you remember a fighter having that kind of layoff and coming back looking that great? And what do you think's next for him? Talk to you soon. Peace. Yeah, man, the uh, the long layoff comeback for me has got to be Dom Cruz. I've never been a huge Dom Cruz fan, but dude, that guy, what an incredible time for him to come back from the terrible knee surgeries and then knee surgery again. And I think he had like a cadaver tendon put into his knee and then that failed. I mean, fuck, man, the guy was basically... He was out for years, right? And then he had like a one-minute fight win over Mitsugaki's comeback. And then another year and a half off. Comes back and he beats TJ and then Uriah. Incredible. <clears throat> That's probably the greatest comeback as far as being off a really long time when you were already at a really high level and then coming back and doing it again. Yeah, for me, it's Dom Cruz to answer that one, dude. So thank you very much. Absolutely check out Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes. Uh, the dude is the Einstein of graphic designers, I call him. Phenomenal, phenomenal graphic designer. Better human being. Love him. One of my bestest friends. Love, love, love my broski Dave. So let's move into uh, the third one. Comes from my homie, Doc. Doc, what do you got for us this week, my dude? Hey, Rhino. It's your boy, Doc. I just saw the upcoming card for this Saturday and it's huge which fight on the undercard are you most looking forward to just wanted to get your understanding take care thanks bye oh that's a great question doc once again just full disclosure doc's been my best friend since we were kids uh he's only recently gotten in MMA and I love that he's participating in the show now dude it makes my heart happy so doc homie I am so stoked for the undercard, my favorite one on the undercard for me, I think, is going to be Stefan Skyscraper Strew versus Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa. You're talking about a seven-footer with huge strikes, great submission work. However, you got the king of the shoey, which if you don't know what a shoey is, it's when you dump a beer into a shoe and <laughs> drink it. 
I think Ty Tuivasa and Stefan Skyscraper Scrooge are going to stand in the middle of the ring. They're going to the cage and they're going to bang it out. I can't wait to see one of those guys drop. I'm guessing Stefan Scrooge is going to get the win with the reach. However, we saw Mark Hunt who is a mentor of Tuivasa. We saw him knock out Struve. So there could be some, you know, some behind the scenes coaching and some advice being given to Bam Bam. So again, I am so looking forward to that fight. I think it could be to quote good old JR, a slobber knocker. And I can't wait to see it. So that's a great question. Craig, or, Oh, I will say your real full name. Doc. <laughs> Thank you so much, my dude. I appreciate you. So I believe that's the end of our voice question. So D Reigns. Let's go ahead and get into our quick word from our sponsor with K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino Gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Alrighty, folks, we just want to get real quick. We want to just recap last night's. I forgot to mention this in the intro, but we're going to recap last night's big boxing match between Tiafimo Lopez and Vasily Lomachenko uh, for the undisputed 135 pound, which in boxing is your lightweight championship, all of the alphabet organizations titles. Again, Loma is one of those guys who has kind of transcended boxing. He has been an outstanding guy to watch. He has a very unique style. He's very herky-jerky, cuts beautiful angles. He's a He's not a huge like one punch KO guy very often he gets you with accumulation super smart super talented guy had a million <laughs> fucking amateur wins he went in last night against Tiafimo Lopez the upstart the 23 year old the kid coming off of of a great streak of of KO finishes and great fights and performances Dude, he was not swallowed up by the enormity of it. Tiafimo Lopez did a fantastic job. He won. I had it. I had it seven rounds to five. There was a lot of dispute about the the different judging. Of course, Julie Letterman giving all ten rounds or ten rounds or eleven rounds, whatever it was, she gave uh, to Lopez. Of course, that's incorrect because the latter part of the fight, Loma won several rounds. However, the right person won. That's really what it kind of boils down to. Having been a pro fighter myself and having been a boxing fan for even longer. It's just the most important thing is that the right guy wins. Tiafima Lopez, fantastic job last night. I was so impressed with your grit, with your ability to push Loma off of you with the body work that you did, the ability to land. It was a beautiful 12th round between those guys. Again, I loved it. It wasn't the most like dynamic fight all the way throughout, right? There wasn't a bunch of knockdowns or anything like that. It was a really pure expression of, 
uh, some classic boxing, and I really, really hadn't seen that in a while and very much enjoyed it. So shout-out to both those guys. Bigger shout-out to Tiafimo Lopez. I, I don't know if they're going to rematch or not. I, I don't think there's a clause that says they have to. I'm not sure, but if they do, that should be another barn burner. But, man, Tiafimo Lopez, congratulations, young man. You more than earned it. Big, big shout-out to you. So that being said, we got our boxing beat out of the way. Let's go ahead and dive right into our 10 rounds with Rhino with PFL middleweight tournament champion, my man, Lewis, put the guns down, Taylor, going 10 rounds with Rhino. Ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast land, we've got ourselves quite a special guest for us today. The champ is here. The champ is here. PFL middleweight tournament champion, Lewis Handguns Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me today, sir. Uh, thank you for having me on, Todd. And I, I got to commend you on them sound effects. That's the best all day. <laughs> real high tech of me clapping my hands. We're real uh, high end over here at CSW. <laughs> uh, you can't tell me we wasn't in Africa right now. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, again, man, I am so glad to have you on today, dude. So basically here at CSWR with our 10 rounds of Rhino, we got to know the backstory, dude. We got to know for round one the origin story of how Lewis Handguns Taylor got into this crazy sport of MMA. Well, for me, uh, I started with wrestling, but um, I had a couple of friends who did well, like uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson, sure. Matt Hughes, uh, Brock Lesnar. And so, you know, I was uh, coaching over at a high school wrestling team, and I'm looking on TV seeing these guys do well. And I'm like, you know what? I think I want to give myself a shot at that. Um, I got a little discouraged when Matt Hughes got his teeth knocked out. But then eventually my finances told me I really should give it a chance. And I did. <laughs> <flat. laughs> That's outstanding, dude. Um, so, again, for those of you who are not aware of this, my man Lewis here won the PFL middleweight tournament. at the. At, it was New Year's Eve of 18, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, yeah. The very first fight of the, the very first night, so I was actually the very first and only middleweight champion, but I'm the very first PFL uh, champion, period, because uh, I did it first and I did it fastest. Oh, you certainly did. It was one left hook and then one more for good measure when he was on the ground, and it was a cool mill in pocket and championship belt around your waist, dude. What was that experience like for you? You know, when you're going into the fight, you imagine going through hell five rounds but in the back of your mind we all got that little dream where you just hit somebody one time and it's over with and uh i got to live out a lot of dreams that night <laughs> <laughs> i mean come on dude it was what an incredible experience it was even just to watch i mean you know you had your kids and your wife front row and then like your your corner man came in and jumped on in like the whole experience man it was just it was one of those things that you're exactly right by using the term dream it felt like a dream sequence and it was just beautiful and amazing and we're so fucking stoked for you man so lewis you and i are both from the midwest dude you grew up in chicago i'm from detroit we're the same age long-standing sports rivalry between our two cities <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> when you were a kid were you a bigger bulls fan growing up cubs white Sox, bears what were you into as a kid uh for, but, as far as chicago sports go it goes uh bulls bears white Sox, uh blackhawks but um you know um i was never really into baseball hard but the white Sox community always did more for my neighborhood so that's why I always gave my allegiance to. 
Oh, okay. That makes total sense. But the problem was when I went to college, I accidentally, I saw a nice Sammy Sosa jersey. I couldn't pass on it because it looked so good. And I saw, (laughs) and when I went to college party and I saw the reaction that I got when I was in Cubs clothing clothing versus when I was in White Sox clothing, it's a whole nother level. (laughs) <laughs> I, I have to imagine you're right, dude. I wouldn't even—I wasn't even going to bring up the Blackhawks because as a Detroit guy, Detroit Red Wings, we don't speak of the Blackhawks, okay, buddy? We <laughs> this is hockey town. We're not dealing with those guys over there. But yeah, dude. For, for being our age, dude, being a Bulls fan as a kid, because like I was such a big Pistons fan and all those clashes oh, between yeah. between the Bulls in that era and the Pistons in that era. God, it was beautiful. It was amazing. My Lions have been just pitiful for many, many years, so we're not going to get too hard into that one, my friend. <laughs> So, dude, you're now at 23 pro fights in your MMA career. What have been some of the tri- – and, you, by the way, we're the same age. We do not look the same age. Dude, you are in jacked shape right now, and I am in quarantine shape as it is right now. So, so what are some of the tricks of the trade that have got have to give you that longevity to have you feel and look as good as you are at our age? Um, basically, think different, train different. Um, I try to do less impactful things. Um, less sparring. I probably only spar live like once a week as far as everything. Then beyond that, I'll break it down. I'll, you know, I do jujitsu almost, you know, five, six times a week. It's not a big deal because jujitsu is not as taxing as say wrestling or MMA or boxing or kickboxing. Okay. But everything else, I break it down. I might do it one day of kickboxing, one day of boxing, one day of MMA, and then one day of everything. But I try not to go too hard um when it's sparring time as the fights dates get closer i pick up um you know i pick up the intensity i pick up the rounds the sparring rounds etc you know you take that five rounds you turn it to 10 you take 10 you turn it to 20 but as far as anything special i say i do differently i do a, i do a more cycling spin i do more yoga like i said just more things that help my body for longevity and not just beat it up yeah and that's incredibly intelligent a high fighter iq high life iq which i didn't know for the first maybe seven years of my pro career because we kind of i kind of came up in that dog pound yeah every day you go hard every day and you know i'm paying the price now dude so i am jealous and envious of you for being a much smarter person than i was going through so dude uh so i appreciate that i'm sure other people too yeah no i'm glad i'm glad it, it paid off um because until you become a champion people really don't believe in you or your methods you're just kind of like this weirdo uh but then once you see it work but then a crazy part is a lot of the students who I was telling how to do things, some listened, some didn't. But then, like, as you see, time started, you know, the years start rolling by. They start seeing more and more of the bigger names doing things the same way I was doing. They was like, Lou has been doing this for years. Yeah. No, that's that's a great point, dude. And I think that I think you're absolutely right in that once somebody gets to a sense that highest of level, you got to think to yourself, man. Maybe they've been right all along. Maybe they knew something yeah. they didn't. You're absolutely right on that, dude. Now, piggybacking on that question a little bit, Lewis, we, you've gone your last six fights without a loss. Is it safe to say we're seeing the absolute best that you've had been and you have been in your entire career right now? No. Honestly, because people were ducking me so long and because I was in, like, MMA purgatory, 
I got to say, um, I never, I kind of missed out on my best years, you know, um, for whatever reason, that opportunity didn't present itself. Um, you know, I lived with it. I didn't, you know, put my head in the sand. I, you know, but at the same time, I said I was going to be done fighting at 36. I started at 28. I said I was going to be done at 36, but when 36 came, I was still, you know, one of the tougher lions in any gym I step into. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just keep going until I start getting my butt kicked. And unfortunately, <laughs> that, that's never happened. So I just keep rolling. Even, even I lost to David Branch. But yeah, a lot of people still enjoyed that fight. And it was a 22-minute fight. And neither one of us were able still to really beat the dog crap out of each other. It just became a, a war of attrition rather sure. than aggression. Uh, double champ, David Branch, by the way. That's no shame in losing to that guy. And, yeah, it really was a war of attrition and, and a fantastic fight. Um, but like I said, six six fights, your last six fights, haven't had a loss. Um, it, it looks to me like you are uh, at, at peak performance right now, so it's almost scary to think of what you might have been at 35. You know what I mean? If you're yeah. talking about you would have been better at that point. Um, so going along with the PFL, I know there's it's really up and down right now with the the state of the world and COVID and everything else. Do we have any idea when we might be able to see you back in the cage? Um, I, I love the people over at PFL, but um, I'm not sure. You know, they got a lot of lawsuits pending, of course, with the Lance Palmer led lawsuits uh, for this whole year of inactivity. But for me, I'm not really on that. You know, they took away the middleweights when they added the women's uh, um, weight class and division. They, they did away with middleweight, so it was always a struggle because then they came in, they wanted me to drop down to 170. Um, but I don't know if I'll ever, but they still were thinking about maybe doing like a couple one-offs. But if anything, you'll probably see me doing the international scene, you know, maybe up in Russia, RCC, or maybe um, switching ships to like, uh, like a Bellator. Oh, okay. That might be some breaking news. I don't think many people know that. I haven't seen anything posted about that. So it, 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 it hasn't. It hasn't. I kept it. You know, nothing's – I'm not signed there, and I'm going to get some fights in to show them I still got what it takes for them to cut me the big check, and sure. then I'm going to go take that check. <laughs> yes, sir. That's awesome, dude. Uh, so, you know, despite your knockout power, which we've seen on display many a time, you have one of the most impressive guillotines across the entire landscape of mixed <laughs> martial arts. When did you figure out that the guillotine was going to be something that you'd be able to implement in your fights and do it really well with a high success rate? It was in the in the in the in the you know on the mats um, because like I'm not my stand up isn't like you know when you, like I had a lot of boxing coaches and I'll just use their for their wording uh, it's trash yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, but again the same people who would tell me my stand up was trash. Whenever we sparred, I would light them up, <laughs> you know. So it works for me and my style. But the thing is, it doesn't look pretty, but it's effective. It's not traditional, but it works. And uh, the thing is, a lot of people they think they're gonna do this. They think, but when they get in front of me, I have really good kicks. I have really good. I have really good hands in the sense of my ability not to hit not to get hit but to hit you and i sure. hit hard enough to where you don't want me hitting you you know right. um, <laughs> and so it, it forces people to forget 
that I have a wrestling background, you, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, we, I'm, and it, it kept happening. Like I touch people, they shoot, they take a bad shot. Cause they, people think I'm telling you, like I literally spar with boxers and I'll hit them with like my jab. They'll turn and look at their coach and go, was that a jab? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, you know that, but that's you know I, I got you know like they say you you're born with certain power, but that's the thing. My my boxing uh, and my stand up might not be the best, but if I hit you, you're gonna know I hit you, and it doesn't matter what I hit you with. You're gonna know I hit you, and you're not. You know, smart fighters would be like, yo, even when I was learning how to box, and I would be going against much more experienced uh, strikers and boxers. The smarter ones would just, you know, use skill and distance. And then some of the coaches would, would get pissed. And they would be like, get in there, get them, get them. You know, and I would not, <laughs> and, and the, the dumber ones I would knock out. And the smarter ones would stop and tell the coach, and be like, yo, you get in here. This dude hits like a Mack. They're like, he hits like a Mack truck. I'm not going to run up on him like that. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. And I noticed some coaches would be pissed, but – I don't know how to box traditionally, but like I said, my ability to not get hit and to hit you and to have the power behind my punches keeps me safe. That That's fantastic, dude. Uh, switching gears a little bit, Lewis, Chi-Town has some of the best food ever. Uh, for those of us who have been there, it is, it is under underappreciated. So as far as famous Chicago dishes, I love the Italian beef sandwich with the jardinier, yeah, oil and all that, dude. It's, it's one of my favorite you, things whenever I visit Chi-Town, dude. But you, um, go ahead. But you got it. You got to get it. I mean, we like you probably had it your way, but but it's a little special trick we we, we do in the, in the hood. Okay. I'm listening. <laughs> so I'm ready. We get that Italian beef. We get it dipped, like juicy wet dipped with some American cheese slapped on the top. That's the best. That is like uh, that is like pouring <laughs> fat straight to your love handles. Delicious. I assure you on your recommendation. And I'll give you Chicago. I, that's where I'm going. I, I'll give you since you like that setup. I'm gonna give you one more. You gotta write this one down. I'm ready. I got a pen in hand. If you mess with deep dish, the way I do mines is uh, Jardine peppers, spinach, um, and Italian beef. Most this is not gonna be on the menu, so you gotta go tell them what you want when you slide in Giordano's. Say I want Italian beef, Jardine peppers and spinach, boom, and I'm telling you, you're gonna love that too. Dude, I am so in on this, dude. I can't believe it. so. Uh, Lewis, your nickname is Handguns, but there, there for a time there, you changed it to put the guns down. What promoted the change in nickname uh, that you did for a while? Um, it was for me coming from where I come from, which is Southside Chicago, Inglewood. Um, it's always been handguns in a sense that of using my hands over guns and saying that my hands is like lethal. But a lot of people, uh, at the time, especially there's a lot of kids, which I would love to say there's been a lot of changes in, 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 in but it, there hasn't, there's still rampant shootings rampant kids getting killed so for me uh the message has been more important than my name and so i always just took the message of put the guns down because of people who know me know like it's it's weird when you got these people who don't know inner city chicago telling you to put the guns down you're like yeah fuck you give me my goddamn glock um but 
when you from here and it's like, yo, this dude is from here. He's walked these streets. He's he, I, you know, I've been to the same corner stores. I know which gangs is where I've dealt with everything that they have. And I'm still going to tell you, put the guns down. I'm hoping that it reaches more and not just makes me come off as a retard and soft or something. No, I don't think that would ever be the, uh, the case. Dude. The, the message is fantastic. We are all, um, yeah, I, I shouldn't speak for everybody, but for myself, I really appreciate it. I think it's a fantastic message to put out there. Um, so lastly, dude, we've actually careened our way, Mr. Taylor, into our last question. So basically, I want the fans, I want the people who listen to CSWR and beyond to know, where can people follow you? How can they check you out on Instagram, on Twitter? How, how, do, how, do, we get, how do we keep in touch with and follow along with the career of Mr. Lewis? Put the guns down, Taylor. Uh, well, I'll tell you this. A lot of uh, my more positive messages in a sense of, um, you know, it's going to be Facebook, Lewis Taylor, L-O-U-I-S-T-A-Y-L-O-R. But um, honestly, Facebook has become, you know, like the family PBS station. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I would say uh, the best way to reach out and I would appreciate the follows is on Instagram, which is put the guns down, Taylor. Same way it sounds. If you know how to spell, then you can find Put the Guns Down Taylor. Yeah, I would hope so. I, uh, <laughs> I would hope everybody would be able to find that dude. And yeah, everybody out there, absolutely. Let's follow this guy's career. Let's check him out. Let's see what training he's doing. This guy is going to blow up this year. I'm telling you, if you don't watch the PFL, figure out where he's going next. And we are going to follow your career. Highly anticipate. Can't wait to watch you again, man. Thank you so, so much for joining us today, dude. And thank you for having me on. This is Lewis, put the guns down, Taylor. And I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. I mean, come on, everybody. What a great guy. What a great story. I, I couldn't tell you beforehand that I've seen maybe three or four of his fights, but I couldn't give you a full read on uh, the guy. I mean, what an incredible human being. Fantastic, fantastic interview. Wonderful guy. I will be a, a fucking put the guns down fan from all the way through when he decides to hang him up. Fantastic job. What a great person. So, so, so cool. So let's go ahead and get into our outro. I got to give big thanks to this week's participants. Raisin Sweet Potato, Cyrus King, Mr. B, Juice for the Fighting With Myself podcast. Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes, the homie Doc for your participation and asking questions this week. To the Rhino Gang, to the homies of the MCCI, Trouble, Lance Brown, Jess, Scott Nolan, Mr. B, Marquise from Weeks of Us Radio. Awesome, awesome. My boxing aficionado brother, uh, Molly at Molly at Hells underscore Bells 99. Check her stuff out for pro wrestling, mental health awareness, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, my girl, G, Mike Morgan, Kairos from both the Shots Fired and Wocast. Fantastic show. You guys definitely should check them out. Uh, my girl, Brat MMA, Shaylin, APB, the homie D. Kronz, unsolicited fight picks, Cat, Pokemama, Ashley the MMA Nerd, Sin City Sarah, the latest of the TKO podcast. Thank you guys all so much for being a part of the Rhino Gang. I want to give a special shout out this week to the the my favorite band in the world, the Butcher Babies. You guys get me stoked. You get me psyched. You get me amped up. You can be ready to go before every show. Big shout out to you. Love, love, love the Butcher Babies. I want to give also huge ups to my Triple D, Drea, D Reigns, the best engineer in the biz, Dave Fretz, my friends, the backbone of this show. Be kind, everybody. Be cool. Stay safe. Black Lives Matter. We will see you next week. K-Side.